a um, uh, kind of the story of, um, let me turn these lights on. I wanted to share with you the story of when the Lord touched me, probably the most powerful he's ever touched me. And um, he showed me a couple of things about tonight. And let me just tell you that when I get done telling you the story, we're not done. I can tell you, promise you that. Um, unless the Holy Spirit really says to. But there was a... Um, you know, I grew up and my dad, people in my family had never really known the Lord in my dad's side of the family. In my mom's side, they... They did okay. I'm not sure what their condition was, but my uh, my dad was kind of like the first one in his family to get born again. And very soon thereafter, he was invited to. Uh, uh, he was told he was going to preach by the Holy the Holy Spirit. Let him know he felt this call to preach. And then, uh, so I grew up. By the time. Um, I was seven. I got born again at uh, Calvary Baptist Church in McLeansville, North Carolina. And um, then, about that time, my dad started, he had been preaching, he had a radio show, and he was doing different things, and uh, ministering at prison, stuff like that. And he started to preach on a very regular basis. He got involved with the Full Gospel Businessmen, which is where he uh, got filled with the Holy Spirit. And he started seeing the miraculous power of God. And uh, about that time, uh, there was a whole lot of the church uh, that didn't believe in that. And they kicked him out, and basically, and uh, gave him the left foot of fellowship. And that, and that means uh, they kicked him out. And um, they said, no, nah, we don't believe in that. And uh, he, he, he did say something. He said, look, he said, this Bible... He said, when I read this in John, it came alive to me. This word was alive. And he said, so now he was saying, in this same word, I'm reading where the Holy Spirit is supposed to baptize me and fill me with the power to be a witness for Christ. He said, and he was sitting talking to a preacher and he pushed the Bible. He said, you just go ahead and rip out the pages that you want that aren't supposed to be there and then give it back to me, okay? And, of course, that, you know, that didn't happen. And, um, but he understood the importance of the word. Well, in that process, he got filled with the Spirit, started moving in this. He got called to be a pastor, and he took over a church, and I was a PK. I was a preacher's kid. And uh, so I understand it. I understand what that is. And uh, grew up that way with the pressures of it and what it looks like and what it feels like. And... Um, I, was, I would say that at age nine, I knew that I was supposed to preach. And um, I was uh, about around age 11, I think it was. I was filled with the Spirit. And around age 13, uh, I remember they had a service one night. They had a special speaker. I think it was Stan Johnson, I think was his name. And he had people sitting on the front row praying for their feet and um, for them basically to grow out if they were short. 
And I saw that, and I was like, well, if he can do that, I can do that. And so I just took a whole bunch of the kids and went in one of the Sunday school classes, set them down. One of them was about a half inch short. I was like, grow in Jesus' name, and it went and grew right out. I'm like, hallelujah. But it was just normal. I mean, it was just, okay, he can do it. God's good. He loves me. He loves these kids. You know, that was my thinking, you know, childlike faith. Uh, still kind of the same today. Like, okay, yeah, let's just believe God. And um, so then went on down the road, and, uh, you know, I just, I went, and my parents, uh, at one point, they they uh, fell into messing up, and basically they got divorced, and that was when I was 14. And then for about 10 years, I just, I didn't walk away from God, but I didn't necessarily walk to Him. Okay, and uh, then all of a sudden, I uh, felt the Lord starting to call me back, and then I met Nicole, and then she got born again, and the the split second, the split second she got born again, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, if you got married, and we've been dating for what, eight months at that time, something like that? I didn't appreciate the Holy Spirit talking to me like this. If you got married right now, I was like, hey, 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 <laughs> wait, hold on a minute. Get married. It's been eight months. We're not, what you talking about? And uh, anyway, he said, if you got married right now, how good of a spiritual head would you be? I was like, ow. That kind of made me forget he was talking about getting married. And uh, I was like, man, that, that was and I realized, not a very good one. I needed to purpose myself to turn back towards the Lord. I had some moments in that, right around that time, that really kind of changed where I was not going after the Lord and with all my heart to going after the Lord. But then a couple years later, or a few years later, we get married. Uh, that was in 1999. And then in 2000, we started going to a church down in Wadesboro. And that church was pretty on fire for God. It was a spirit-filled Baptist church. And um, went in lots of people to Jesus, getting them filled with the Holy Spirit. And uh, we went down, we took a trip down to Brownsville where they were having the Brownsville Revival, which basically started on... Father's Day of 1995, and it went for five years. Every For the first few years, it was every night, and then they went to, I think it was Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I think, something like that. Anyway, we got down there, I think it was Friday night and Saturday night when we were there, and Steve Hill was the evangelist that had been there on Father's Day in 1995 preaching. Well, it was huge what God was doing down there, and they had a school of revival called the Brownsville uh, School of Revival, and um, or Brownsville Revival School of Ministry, something like that. So Dr. Michael Brown was the dean of that school. He's now in uh, Concord at Fire Church and Fire Ministries. He's, he's the head there. So if you ever see me post him, that's where I became aware of him. And... Um, that's in Concord. So anyway, when I was down there, uh, that night, uh, Nicole had been filled with the Spirit, but that night she started speaking in the Spirit. And that night was the night that somebody gave me Isaiah 61, 
1, they gave me that verse. And I knew as soon as they gave it to me, and they even said it too, they said, this is your verse. And Isaiah 61, 1 says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and freedom to the prisoners. Verse 2, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. And it goes on and talks about, well, I'll just read 3, 2. To grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting, so they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. So, Verse 1 is the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And I remember, I remember thinking, wow, that's pretty cool. I didn't know that in Luke 4, I didn't know at that time really that in Luke 4, this was what was prophesied. And in Luke 4.18, that's where Jesus stood up in the temple and read, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. That was the fulfillment of that prophecy. I didn't know that. But this to me meant that the Lord was saying, I'm anointing you and that faith as a child, I took it as that, that night. And I, and I just received it. Well, the service went on. That was the very first service that Steve Hill was not there. The speaker that night was a minister from Africa called Robert Kenyaja. And um, he, man, he preached good stuff. It was just awesome. I, I remember just going, wow, this is great. And then they called for people to come down to the altar. And I came down. Of course, the altar in that place was a lot bigger than this. But I came down, and in the place, I was sitting uh, just really close to the left side of the altar on my knees. And it's at that place uh, where the Lord spoke to me four words. And he said, preach my word, son. And it, he spoke to me, it, it might as well have been audible, it was that strong. It was like booming in my spirit. Now it wasn't audible, but in my spirit, man, there was no denying what he just said to me. I heard him, right? That's the best way to put it. You have three different kinds of voices uh, that God's given us, basically. You have from him the inward witness, all right? The inward witness, that's kind of the leaning, all right? That's kind of the, I'm leaning left, leaning right, but your, your spirit picks up what the Holy Spirit wants to do and you have an inward witness of maybe yes, maybe no, you know, maybe stay, maybe go. It's, it's a witness inside of your spirit. That's the number one way they generally talks to you. The other way is the inward voice. The inward voice is when you hear the word of God inside of your spirit. That's what this was. And then the next way is uh, an audible voice. He will and does still speak like that. And so I was sitting there and I heard the inward voice, preach my word, son. Well, the preach my word, uh, that was strong. I'd been waiting for that for a long time. I'd already been preaching, but now I had the word from the Lord to do it, right? But the strongest part of that was the fact that he called me son. Because I was like, oh, the, God the Father just told me I was this child. I was this child. That was awesome. That was awesome. And I broke down. You know, I was just awesome. 
And so you fast forward not too far. We were living in Wadesboro in the ugly house. And uh, the, um, if you know that story, if you don't, you'll hear it sometime. Lovingly referred to as the ugly house. And, um, you know, it was really a beautiful house. You know why? Because we grew up in the Lord together there. And this is part of what I'm telling you is a beautiful piece of it tonight. So we just got hungry for God, and while we were there at Brownsville, we went into the bookstore, and I can remember we didn't have hardly two pennies to rub together. Um, we might have had one, and uh, not much. We barely had enough stuff to get down there, and um, man, we were, we were po. And um, anyway, God can change that stuff. God can change that. And so, I think my dad was there, and in the bookstore there was a video uh, tape series, a VCR tape series. There were four videos together. And uh, one of the things, you know, it's funny how the Lord will do things because he'll, he'll write something in your heart, and it really doesn't ever go away if you'll just give yourself to it. It doesn't really go away. It's just there. And um, the thing that he had written in my heart was, I saw all this power of God in here, but I really wasn't seeing it on very many people. Well, that's the same thing I'm talking about today, right? Same thing. The difference is then I was talking about, a, we're, we're actually walking in a level you know, that I wasn't seeing then, now I'm talking about a different level. There's just more than what I knew was available then. But I, I thought, man, I want to see the power of God. So one of the series in that bookstore was a series called Faith to Raise the Dead. I'm like, that's, uh, that's enough. that sounds like something that most people aren't doing, Faith to Raise the Dead. That grabbed my attention. And uh, I went, I want to hear about this. And there were four tapes. I'm like, there's got to be some good material in there at least. I mean, there's four of them. I'm thinking, you know, one guy, one, one person raised one guy, you know, sometime, whoop, you know, whoop-de-doo, but I'd be happy to grab that. But there's four of them. There's got to be some more stuff in there. It was by David Hogan had come to the Brownsville Revival School of Ministry, and he had preached four parts Faith to raise the dead. You can watch them all on YouTube now. Excuse me. You can watch them all on YouTube now in their entirety, and you don't have to pay anything for them. At that point, I think they were like 80 bucks. Thank goodness Dad had some money because those, that tape series changed my life. I mean, it changed. I was already changed from the scripture God gave me to speaking to me and calling me to preach. And now this series, we took them home and I ate them up. I mean, I, I was like, stole them from Dad. I was like, no, nah, I'm taking these to the house. And uh, I just kept watching them and watching them and watching them and watching them. And uh, there was something just really special. Actually, a few years ago, we watched those on Wednesday night. And um, was anybody here then? No? Wow. Five years ago, over five years ago, we watched those on Wednesday night. Anyway, wow. So, um, anyway, they weren't received here like they should have been, obviously. 
Uh, yeah, they would be now. It'd be it's it's a different body of Christ than it was then. Amen. So, yeah. Anyway, what had happened was this guy had talked about David Hogan. Um, I'm actually going to go see him for the first time in a in a, about a week and a half, and uh, then I'm going to see him again in a, about two weeks after that. So I am thrilled because he's still doing the same thing. He actually the an interview I just saw with him. He said, I fast seven months out of the year. Seven months. That's significant. That's significant. Anyway, I'm just going to leave that right there. Seven months. And when he says he fasts, he means he fasts. He's not, he's not, doing, a, he's not doing a Daniel fast. Amen. <laughs> he's he's doing that's a fast but when he says he fasts it's a little bit different he's talking about food anyway what he he told the story about basically him going down the same path that the Lord had me going down where is this power of God where is this power of God and he started talking about different things and and then he talked about how he'd prayed on so many people. I heard him later say, you know, the best thing somebody could do to die is come to us and ask for prayer because they were all dying. <laughs> he said, they'd just have a cold and all of a sudden they'd just come up sick and die. You know, he said, we were horrible at what we were doing, you know. And, and we were just not expecting people to live almost. It was like we were almost scared to pray for people after a while. You ever felt like that with you know in your walk with Christ? Like I just can't even get this thing right, you know? Um, I felt that way. If you haven't felt that way, then you haven't been trying. Um, anyway, <laughs> did I just say that? <laughs> I, yeah, we'll just give that to the Holy Spirit. Let Him do what He wants. We're relaxed, aren't we? This is good, but this is <laughs> this is how the Holy Spirit can flow. He's doing stuff. You don't. You think I'm just talking and not realizing that He's doing stuff. He's working. He's breaking down walls. He's ripping up old, uh, rotten foundations in you. Sutra motra bisti antarakia sofle petest. I tell you all of that to give you a background. I tell you all of that to give you the background to the rest of the story. He's preaching about baptism in the Holy Ghost. And he's preaching about a baptism of fire. And he was talking about it. And sure enough, the Lord led him to somebody and uh, this little boy... And uh, basically, the boy had been dead for six or seven hours or so, and all of a sudden, God thumped his heart, and thump. And uh, man, I, that reminds me of what I prayed earlier. I wasn't thinking about saying that. He thumped that little boy's heart, and he came back to life. And uh, he said, I was shocked, you know. <laughs> and uh, anyway, he said, man, this is awesome. And he got to go home and tell his wife what had happened. And after all that time, some great videos, great videos. And um, 
So then he goes on to tell now today uh, that at the time of the videos, I think they'd had over in the ministry, not just him, but in the ministry, they had had over 100 people raised from the dead. Today, that was around 99 or so when that video was made. Today, I know they've had over 500 uh, people in the ministry that's been raised from the dead. The power of God is alive. Somebody that tells you that that went out with the apostles or that it's, it ceased, that's a theology called ces cessation theology, that all that power and anointing went out with the apostles, they're full of it. That's a bunch of junk. Uh, it's alive and well, and it's, it, that's a lie. You have bought a lie if you believe that, and now you're preaching it, and you need to repent and receive. Amen? I did say that. I know I did. So I said it on purpose. Um, <laughs> there's some boldness rising up if you can't tell. And um, so he was talking about a baptism of fire. And uh, I was like, I want that. I didn't even know what it was. I was. I'm still naive. I think I know something, but I didn't know what that really meant. I didn't really find out what it meant till recently. The Lord was talking to me about it the last few weeks. He showed me kind of what it is. But, I mean, how many people have you ever heard teaching or preaching on the baptism of fire? Most people think it's the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's not. It's different. And uh, John the Baptist said that Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And he wasn't meaning together. They're two different things. When it comes over to Acts, it doesn't say that many days from now you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire. It says many days from now you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. It's different. He leaves the fire off because it's a different thing. Anyway, so I said, I want that. I want the baptism of fire. Well, you know, kids, children, childlike faith, you know. I'm a kid. I'm, I was probably 27, 28. I don't know how old I was then, but. 27, something like that. I'm still a kid, you know. He's talking about baptism fire. I'm like, I want that. And, well, it wasn't but a few days I got invited to go to this conference. And um, at this conference, this, uh, I was already buzzing in the Holy Ghost. I mean, I had people, they're like, Brian is growing so fast. And, and I was because I was just hungry, hungry. And um, hungry, humble and hungry. Humble and hungry for the things of God. And just willing to do whatever the Lord told me to do. And, and so he says, um, I hear about this conference. It was a speaker that I had heard some stuff of that was good. It was going to be over in Charlotte on the back of the old PTL ground at uh, Bonnie and Mahesh Shavda's ministry. And uh, they had put up a tent and had a tent meeting all week long or two or three days, something like that. And uh, something about the glory, I, I remember that, waves of glory maybe. And um, anyway, the speaker there was Bob Shadows, and I think he's passed away now. But uh, he had a miraculous testimony. I remember one thing he used to do is uh, he would get up, in the middle of the, uh, here, I'll do it over here. He would get up in the middle of the airport, and he, you'd probably get arrested now doing this. He'd stand up and go, I'm in love with a man, when it wasn't as popular, right? <laughs> I'm in love with a man. And everybody go, Vroom. and he'd go, and his name is Jesus, and he'd preach and win people to the Lord. 
But that's how he would do it. I, oops, I knocked the bottle. So anyway, that was, and Bob had some uh, power. But he was preaching, he was talking about the heart of God. And in the heart of God, all of a sudden, he said at the end of his message, he said, which one of you, who wants to receive the heart of God? And I went, well, golly, I want that. I want that, you know. I want to receive the heart of God. And uh, so there was probably 300 people that stood up for prayer, you know, probably half the crowd, maybe a little bit, a little bit more. I don't know. It was a lot. I remember the line was about 50 people wide, and there was at least six or seven lines. And so he was going down the line praying on them, and he was praying that they would receive the heart of God. And uh, I said, Lord, I want the heart of God. And so he was going down praying, and like the first two rows, boom, 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 praying over them, praying, laying hands on them, praying for each one. And all of a sudden, um, everybody, everyone, like out of the 50 people, maybe one stood there, but every person besides that one fell back, boom, boom. Well, I'd been in ministry long enough to know that that doesn't just happen, right? Like that's not, if you're doing that, then people, in my opinion, at that time, they're putting on for show. They're, putting that, they're just putting on for show. They're, they're being nice. They're doing what we call now a courtesy fall, right? <laughs> I'm going I'm to just fall out so everybody thinks the, the preacher, I don't want you to do that necessarily. However... The Lord showed me something. He said, I said, and I was getting my spirit of religion back there, and, you know, five or six lines back was getting irritated. And I was like, now, Lord, I know that not everybody is falling under the power of God. How come you're, uh, you're letting that happen? I don't understand, you know, spirit of religion. And uh, I said, why are you letting that happen? And the Holy Spirit, so gentle, you know, he knew my heart, so gentle to me. He goes, well, he said, you're right. Not everybody is feeling that. He said, however, there are some in there that you're seeing. There are some that that falling is their way of humbling themselves to me. And I went. Wow, I have never thought about that. Why? Because I was in pride and I wasn't thinking about humility. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking about how they're wrong and I'm right. That's what I was thinking. And I thought, well, Lord, I said, you know, I, I repent for thinking that way and I would like to humble myself to you in that way. Please, can I humble myself to you in that way? That was kind of this in, inward dialogue that was going on. He said, yeah. I said, okay. So, you know, the Reverend Bob came by and he was laying hand. Boom, boom, boom. I'm like, here he comes. He got close. I'm like trying to discern, discern, discern. Can I feel any power, any power? I didn't feel nothing. And uh, I, I, he came by, boom, boom, boom. He gets closer, closer. I didn't feel nothing. He lays hands on me. I'm expecting at least something. Like, I'm, I got a humble heart now and everything. I'm expecting something, you know. I'm like, maybe, maybe. And then he lays hands on me. Nothing. Like I almost felt bad faking it, you know. <laughs> I almost felt bad doing that. I felt like I was putting on. But what had happened was I thought, you know what? I am humbling. 
I'm going to humble myself. I'm humbling me, myself. And so I knew there was a catcher back there. So I just, you know, iced tea plunge, you know. I just went on back and he caught me and I didn't feel a thing until I hit the ground. The moment I hit the ground, the power of God hit me stronger to this day than I've ever been touched in my life. Stronger than I've ever been touched. And he showed me his heart. And that's what I want to talk to you about. In that moment, he showed me his heart. I would also say that in that moment, he baptized me with fire. But I want to show you what accompanied that baptism of fire. And I will tell you, Nicole can testify to this. I, I had a hard time. I could speak English the next few days, but I had a hard time with it. Like it was not easy for me. I had to focus to speak English. And, but if I, here's what would happen. When I got up for two days straight, wasn't it? This went on for a while. For two days straight, my stomach muscles went. And they wouldn't stop for two days straight. I could not control them. I was trying to like mentally, I don't know. See, this is stupid stuff we do. God just touched me. I'm having a manifestation. Now I'm trying to shut it down. That's dumb. Like, leave him alone. You know, just let him do what he wants to do. God, do that for the rest. I would love, if he was still doing it to this day, I would love that. Because I understand the touch of God a lot better than I did then. But I'm mentally trying to get that to stop. I couldn't get it to stop. Like, I was having a physical manifestation of the power of God. And it went for two days straight. I could not stop it. And even after that, if I started praying in the Spirit, it'd be, I mean, it'd just go right up. Is that right? Yep. And, and I'd say, feel this. She was like, that is weird. I'm like, I know. You ought to feel it in here, you know. And, and I'd say, it, it's strange. And she was like, and then I'd pray. I'd start praying in the Holy Ghost. And it'd go, and it was like, the, and that went every time I prayed in the Holy Spirit for like a week. And for a month, it was a continuing manifestation. Just, I mean, the power of God touched me. And that was, I was baptized in that fire. And I was carrying something. I was carrying something. Now, stupidly, I went on. And, you know, I went through some times where I was kind of, you know, backing off of the Lord some and not, you know, giving it full throttle anymore. And that kind of went away in a sense. And that's really what the Lord you know, had me praying over these last couple of times that I've been fasting is, Lord, give me that again. And you know what? He will, and he does. As a matter of fact, last week he showed me what he's doing. And uh, I'll just tell you what he showed me was I was praying, and I saw released from heaven already just a billowing fire, not, not smoke, but a billowing clouds of fire shooting down from heaven, aiming towards me. I'm like, oh. I receive that in Jesus' name. Amen? But see, now this is that baptism of fire, but I want to tell you what accompanied it because it was important. I think, I think that what the Lord showed me about his heart and the vision that he showed me, it was the first vision I think that I'd ever had uh, on this level. And it was an inward vision. It wasn't uh, like when I opened my, it wasn't an open-eyed vision. But uh, I think on this level, um, the vision in his heart was more important 
than even that baptism because that heart is what still drives me today. There's times when I've let go of it, but this is what happened. So when I hit the ground and the Lord, it's like he just went boom all over me. I started shaking and I started, um, I was sitting there and the best way to describe it was I had somewhat of an elevated position and um, there was a, uh, there was an elevated position looking diagonally uh, down and there was a road there. And this is a very common vision that I've heard multiple people, I've heard Rodney Howard Brown tell a vision that was very similar to this. Um, I've heard other people tell tell this two or three other people have the same thing and you know when I got this I hadn't heard any of that stuff but basically there was a road and the best way to describe it is everything was kind of a um, it wasn't like I was here on earth I was seeing I would say in the spirit realm seeing the spiritual things and I was probably seeing the spirit realm on earth and but everything was reddish like it was red because you have to understand that we have authority in this earth but this earth is still falls under the curse and the you know the the uh, God of this world the way the New Testament says is the devil now he doesn't have any power unless we give it to him but it still is under the curse the earth is not redeemed yet amen so anyway I saw this big wide road and uh, all these people were marching down this road and they were sitting there and they were just walking and, you know they weren't running or anything and then all of a sudden I saw like in the middle of the crowd I'd see one person and I'd see them like this yellow column of light go zoom, and that person would be gone out of the pack and there was hundreds and thousands of people that were on this road and then you know every few it wasn't it wasn't a lot but every now and then zoom and somebody would be gone out of that pack and I said Lord what is that he said that is the people that are getting born again and I said oh man praise God and I'd see them zoom you know over here here but they, it was not often it was very rare and out of the numbers, there was probably maybe 10 or 20 people that that happened to. And it kind of reminded me of the old Star Trek movies, but it was different from that. But that's kind of what it reminded me of is you'd have that little column of light, you know. And, and uh, there was maybe 10 or 20, maybe 20, we'll say 20. And, uh, but it was out of probably... I'm trying to look, re-look at the vision in my mind, remember it. It was probably out of, um, two or three thousand people that I had privilege of seeing. And they went zoom, zoom, and those were the ones saved. And there was two or three thousand people that just kept on going down the road kept going they were just walking just walking just walking but then they were kind of not compressed the further back uh, down the road they were but as they got to this one place at, on the road as I was looking at them they started to compress a little bit and then all of a sudden the vision opened up and I saw all I saw at first was the road but the vision opened up and I saw that there was the cliff and then there was the sea of fire 
And this road was life. And all of these people were heading straight into the sea of fire. And what would happen is if this break in the carpet was the end of the road and then the cliff, they, what would happen is they would walk up to that cliff and then they would see that it's a sea of fire. And you, I started to hear the screams of the people. And I would hear them yell and scream and say, Oh, no, no. And they'd turn around, but there was already too much momentum. And they would fall over into the sea of fire. And they would be lost forever and ever. And the Lord in that moment let me feel his heart for everyone that fell off of that cliff. And his heart was breaking for every single person that fell off of that cliff. He, he was joyful for each one that got born again. But every, not, not just because people were falling off. Every one, I felt a pierce of my heart in that moment. And I started, I was laying on the ground seeing this vision. And I started crying uncontrollably. I could not stop. And I literally, after just a few seconds of this, it hit me. Now, I was on the ground for probably 15 minutes, but during this period of the vision, uh, he was doing other stuff to me at that point. But during this period of the vision, I only saw it for a few seconds. And each one that fell off, it hurt so bad that I, I told the Lord, I said, I, I, think, I think if you don't take this away from me, I may die. It was that strong and that powerful and that crushing to my mind and to my spirit. I, couldn't, I, I didn't think that I would be able to withstand that and live. That's how powerful and that's how much his heart aches for every person that doesn't get born again. Every person that's lost. And see, the word says that we, the word says that our tears in heaven will be wiped away. But it doesn't say that necessarily about his tears. In other words, he still has, he still has the emotion and the loss of every soul that is his child that does not accept him. Everyone. And that was what he showed me about his heart. And then he anointed me to do something about it. And he's anointed all of us to do something about it. And to make his heart our heart. But that means we've got to do something about it. In Proverbs 11, I'm going the wrong way. Proverbs 11:30. It says this, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. Is wise. In James chapter 5 and verse 20, James 5, 20, it says, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the air of his way will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. And then in 2 Timothy chapter 4, it 
2 Timothy 4, 5. It says, But to you, be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Do the work of an evangelist. You see, the heart in the scripture, the heart in the scripture is that we win souls. This is why in our new vision, you know, Boomerang Church is a house of love and prayer. Living in abundance, winning souls, and making disciples for Jesus. This is why that's in there. Because the truth of the matter is, as strong as that vision was, and as much as I, I cannot forget it, and I won't forget it, I did set it to the side. And I let it be pushed to the side. And I let it be pushed to the side, and I just let other things get more important than the heart of God to me. Honestly, until recently, the minister's conference that I was in at Dr. Rodney's in uh, October, that's where it finally broke off, and I saw what I was supposed to do and what we were supposed to do. And I saw part of the reason why we had struggled was because I'd taken what God had planted in me to do, and I'd set that piece to the side. Why? Because I'm a pastor. I'm not an evangelist. That was my reasoning. But yet, you see, Timothy was a pastor. And Paul said, I don't care that you're a pastor. Do the work of an evangelist. So this is why we focused on souls. We started right at the beginning of the new year. We really started. We got more focus coming up. I want you to watch this and just relax. Let it minister to you. And let's watch this as we uh, go into the rest of the evening. Go ahead, J.D. If you look at some people, you think that God died. You think that he lost all power. Absolutely not. And God's not done with this nation yet. I'm telling you right now. God's not finished with America. Because I asked him, I said, Lord, are you done? You tell me, I'll tell the people. I don't hold anything back. And he said, no. I said, are we too late? Are we too late? Because some people say, it's too late. And the Lord said, no, you're right on time. It's not too late. You're right on time. That you've been brought into the kingdom for such a time as this. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I believe whole cities, whole regions are going to be shaken. I believe the power of God is going to fall in schools amongst the youth, the young people, the primary schools, high schools, on the university campuses, in places of government, in places of business. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you. you. You might say, but I just feel so insignificant. And that's why you need the Holy Ghost. 
<laughs> Amen. Because in yourself, you can't do anything. But that's why he sends his power to empower you so that you can get the job done. Amen. You believe that? Then give the Lord the biggest hallelujah. Well, why don't you turn and greet two or three people, tell them you love them. Thank you, guys. As always, just phenomenal. We welcome all of you that are watching by way of the Christian Television Network. Across America tonight, thank you to Bob and Jane for putting us on and being a part of this, of this great harvest. If you can get the clip for me, I want to play what's happened the last six years. From the 2nd of January 2011 until the present, uh, we crossed over, I believe it's 10 point, I think it's 10.3. I, I believe it is. The numbers from this morning. Let me get the exact number. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, 10,331,125 decisions. That's 110 countries, 4,182 cities. You know, one of the things that shocked me because of internet, we had a pastor that was watching in Paris, France. And the power of God come through his computer, hit him in his, in his room under the anointing, they grabbed a hold of the soul winning and they set a goal for 10,000 souls. And they began to use the, uh, the gospel soul winning survey. And they hit that and then we ended up going there training 200 pastors. Now listen to this. I'm not sure what the latest update is, but the last time I heard, it was 200, listen to this, 230,000 people saved in France on the, on the streets. And when that Paris shooting took place. They were there 25 minutes before, right in the area, and led people to the Lord. And now many of them are going into the refugee camps, and they're getting people saved, left, right, and center. Muslims are getting saved. I'm telling you, you know, we got to swing this thing around. We got to flip this thing around. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. It's the most amazing thing. Is Pastor Ortiz still here? He's from Harlingen, Texas. I know he was here, I believe, this morning. They have now got the open road into, into all of the refugee camps all across Texas, all through Arizona to, to, to California. Thousands. And they're going in there, and many they, kids are crying, weeping. They're hugging them. They're getting saved, baptized in the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, we're going to flip this thing around. What the devil's planned, what the enemy has planned, it's not going to happen. We'll raise them up. They'll all become evangelists. And uh, the plan is to probably, you know, have them all jihadis. Well, these will be Holy Ghost on fire, carrying the glory of God. Can you say amen? 
You know, the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, in verse 1, he says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead as his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season, which if you know in season, it's great. Out of season, it's not so great. But he said, be instant. Amen. Reprove, which some think that our job is just run around and exhort everybody. But we to reprove, rebuke, and then exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and be turned into fables. Now watch what he says. But watch thou in all things, he says here, endure afflictions. Watch in all things, endure afflictions, because you will face that. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of your ministry. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So you might be a pastor that's watching right now. You say, well, you know, I'm not called to be an evangelist. But he says, do the work of an evangelist. What does that mean? We have to go after souls. We have to make souls our number one goal. Go after souls to bring in this harvest. You say, why? Because Jesus is coming very, very soon. And when you put souls, your number one goal, when you make souls, then that's the heartbeat of God. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which is lost. Amen. Once you begin to do that, God will take care of your ministry. The Lord will make a way for you. You show me a soul winner, and I'm going to show you somebody the Lord is going to bless. And they are very wise people because the Bible says he who wins souls is wise. Amen. So I love hanging out with soul winners because they're very wise people. Amen. Hallelujah. The only thing we can take with us when we leave this earth is people. Nothing else. Nothing else. Years ago, I believe it was back in the 60s, a billionaire died and it was on one of the NBC, I think was showing the funeral and they were talking about all his wealth and how much he had and the two commentators were talking. He said, I wonder how much he left. And the other commentator said, all of it. He left all of it. So you, you can't take it with you, but you can take people with you. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. One man said to me, he said, yeah, but what if we serve God and, and then we find out that when we die, there's nothing. I said, you've lost absolutely nothing. But I said, what if you don't serve him and you, and, and, and you die, then you find it's too late at that point, you know. Of course, we know there is a God. That's why we warn people. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Everybody say souls. So what you're about to see is not the efforts of one, but the combined efforts of many. And that's what this is all about. If we can mobilize every church in America to win souls, it'll be a matter of a year, two years. The whole nation will be shaken. For example, if you just mobilize 1,000 churches to win 1,000 souls a week, that's 1 million souls a week. So it wouldn't take long. The whole of America would shake by people that, that are mobilized out on the streets, knocking on doors, confronting people, you know. And I believe we must move quickly because if certain people have their way, they, want, they will stop any, you know, they don't mind what you do in the privacy of your own church, but they're going to try to stop people from even proclaiming the gospel. And that's the point where we're going to get crossways. Are you listening? Because we have to obey the gospel. He said, go into all the world and, sh and preach the gospel. Amen? We have to tell people there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun.
And uh, even though they don't want to believe in hell, isn't it amazing how much Hollywood puts up movies and you think you're in hell? I mean, recreation of demons and everything. But they don't want you to talk about hell, but they make it on the movies. That doesn't make sense. It's almost like they're being prepared, so when they get there, they just think they're in a movie. Unfortunately, it'll be a movie that never ends. Amen? So we've got, to, we've got to preach the gospel. And it might come down to where we're living back in the days of the apostle, where people get beaten, thrown into prison. I'll never forget the story of American missionaries that went to eastern Russia, up near Vladivostok. And this was back, you know, when, you know, before the fall, you know, when Mr. Gorbachev tear down that wall, before all of that broke. And they smuggled Bibles in and, they preached and people got saved and they left the gospel of John in the book of Acts. And they couldn't get back for about two years. They got back and there was a 24-year-old young girl. And she was pastoring this church about a 1,000 people. She's the pastor. And it was she, it's like the Lord's hand was on her. And I know some people don't believe in women in the ministry. It's amazing that she was the one that, that led the thing. Sorry. So sorry. God will find whoever's going to yield to him. Can you say amen? And so uh, the American people, when, when the missionary, when they saw her, she, she had an arm broken, black eyes, she you know, cut. She had just come out of prison. And they said, oh, we're so sorry. This is terrible. They said, yeah, they caught me preaching the gospel. They beat me up. They threw me in prison. They said, it's terrible. This is terrible. She said, oh, no. It was in the book that you left me. The book that you left me told me that they were beaten and put into prison. So I didn't think there was anything wrong with it. <laughs> and then... The missionaries from America were like embarrassed because, you know, yeah, they all come to preach the gospel, but it's a gospel that does not involve any persecution whatsoever. But how many understand that right now there are people in other parts of the world that are dying for their faith, that are being killed, that are suffering, that are being tortured for their faith? And yeah, in the Western world, about the only torture you're going to get is people talking bad about you on the Internet or, you know, on whatever social media you are on. Who cares? Who cares? But if we don't preach the gospel and the light of God does not spread, then darkness will encroach and it could possibly be. Are you listening to me? I mean, we are only, what, 18 days away from a national election where on the one side, we're either going to get a last minute reprieve because that's all that is, or we're going to have the reign of Jezebel. So you, you decide, you know. Maybe the reign of Jezebel will push the church because all of the rights in, are going to be taken away. That's what they're working on right now. So maybe, you know, maybe that's what, as much as I don't want that, maybe that's what we need. I don't think that's going to happen. I'm very positive. I think we're going to get a last minute reprieve. That's what I believe in my spirit. Can you say amen? And next Thursday night, we're going to have an all-night prayer meeting just to pray for America. So from starting at 6 o'clock, we're going to start with praise and worship. We're going to pray right through the night. Come and join us. This is about America. We're not going to allow the devil to have our country. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. How many are going to join us next Thursday night? Come press in here. Come on, wave your hand, wave your hand, wave your hand. All right, come on. Let's, let's, let's pray this thing through. And you can do it wherever you are. You can come to the 24-hour prayer center we have right here, praying right around the clock for America. Even when you leave here tonight, you can go to the 24-hour prayer center. You can go pray 
and we believe in God for a last minute reprieve. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So uh, this is imperative. This is not a game. It's not about job security. Amen. We're not here for a job. We're here on a mission. We're obeying the Great Commission, which is not the great suggestion. Amen. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. If it looks like a creature, just preach to it. Amen. And he will back you up. He will back you up. Come on, let's roll the clip. Let's see what the Lord's done the last six years. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Today on a Saturday Morning. I'm back. Video of the actual twin bombings at the Boston Marathon. The state of New York makes same-sex marriage legal. A key victory for the gay rights movement. Breaking overnight mass casualty shooting. A horrific scene outside a nightclub in Orlando. The National Guard has taken control of Ferguson, Missouri, a city so torn. The New York Times been long killed by U.S. forces in Pakistan. Obama says declaring justice has been done.
glory of God shall shine across the land from sea to shining sea and every city and every town and every village of this great country will be shaken by the mighty hand of God. A miracle can happen now for the Spirit of the Lord is here. Jesus. Whatever you focus on, that's what you're going to get. A lot of times, church growth is taking people from other churches and transferring them. New church opens up in town. All the disgruntled ones go to the new church, sit there for two, three months. When they find that they can't get their agenda done, then they head off to the next new church that's opening up. But when you look at the population, there are many people that don't know Jesus. There are many people that have never heard. There's many people that no one's told them. Even in the city of Tampa, believe it or not. I don't know if people find that hard. How is it possible with even Christian television and Christian radio and churches on every street corner? Because the fact is, people don't listen to the radio. They won't watch television. They don't go to church. And they're sure not going to get it from the mainstream media. <laughs> so they're not going to get it in the schools because they already took God out of the schools. They already took the Ten Commandments out of the courthouses. All that was by, desi by design to take people's awareness of God away. And so if the believers don't get radically on fire and the believers don't become the witness and tell everybody and become vocal, you know, you probably heard this statistic from me so many times, you're going to get bored when I tell you right now, but 95% of the American church does not witness 95% of people that come to church never tell another person about Jesus. How is that possible? How is it possible that 95% of, not this church, but congregations in the religious world never tell another person about Jesus? Because people say, well, religion is private. Yes, it is. Religion is very private. Keep it private. Don't tell anybody about religion. It stinks. But Jesus is not private. Jesus did not die in a closet. He died on a cross for the whole world to see. And we've got to tell the world. We're going to tell the world about Jesus. Somebody said, yeah, but we don't want to mention, you know, they don't want to talk about sin. They don't want to talk about hell. But the Bible talks about sin. The Bible talks about hell. And we've got to warn people of the error of their ways. Somebody said, well, I don't want to condemn you. You don't, you don't have to. You don't have to condemn one person. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. It's not your job to damn anybody. It's your job to tell them. Can you say amen? And it's the Holy Spirit that will bring the conviction. And people will come to the saving knowledge 
of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. It is our job. It's the job of every minister of the gospel to mobilize every believer, not just to get them saved, not just to get them healed or set free or delivered or overcoming the problems of life, but to mobilize every believer once they've received the baptism in the Holy Spirit to then be a witness. Every, everyone should be a witness. I'm not talking about somebody that has a bumper sticker on their car or a t-shirt with a scripture on. I'm talking about someone who Jesus shines through. When people see you, they see Jesus in your eyes, they hear Jesus in your voice, and they feel Jesus in your touch. Listen, if every believer in America right now was suddenly empowered and tomorrow went out and spoke to two or three people, the whole nation would, should be, would be shaken. The reason the country's in the problem is in, even in the last elections, no, tens of millions of Christians didn't even vote. Didn't even vote. So they don't witness, they don't vote, they just complain about the, if you don't like the circumstances, then bless God, get off your blessed assurance and go change it. Amen. Somebody said, well, I might get into trouble. Then trouble come on down the road and we're waiting for you then. Amen. I'm not in trouble. I haven't done anything. Hallelujah. Come on. It's time to get bold. It's time to get on fire for God. Can you say amen? It's time to shout it from the mountaintops and from the rooftops till the whole world knows how wonderful he is. Amen. And of course, he doesn't just send us out with a message. He gives us power to back the message up. So we're not there preaching a dead message. Dead messages won't work where we go. You're not going to work with a dead message in the inner cities of America. I'm just telling you right now. You can forget about it. You come in the inner city with a dead message, and they're going to ship your saddle home. I'm telling you right now. They can smell religion blindfolded from 500 yards. And you, you don't have like an hour to straighten things out. You have like three minutes. You have three minutes, baby, and you better lock that crowd down, and the Holy Ghost better be moving, otherwise you're going to be riding. I'm just telling you. So all of these critics, all of these people, they want to argue. Hey, why don't you accept the challenge? Let's have a showdown. You come meet me in inner city. Like a, we'll pick a bad one, like a real rough one, and I'll give you an hour. Just give me five minutes, and we'll throw down. And then let's see who can produce. Come on. I mean, because it's all about producing. Somebody said, are you challenging me? Yes, come put your money where your mouth is. Come on. Come on down. You big theologian, you. Come on. Come on, bring your PhD and come down. Meet me in the inner city. And their, their PhD will be standing for phone home, dear. <laughs> phone home dear phone home what's going to break the power of sin it's the blood of Jesus what's going to break the chains of bondage of drug addiction and lust and perversion the power of the blood of Jesus 
This is not a self-help thing. Come, we'll teach you how to, you know, just help yourself. And you, you know, you, you can't change yourself. You can't change yourself. You have to hear, humble yourself, and come and receive the free gift of salvation. Amen. And I'm not so much even as sharing this here for many of you because you already know this, but we love on CTN right now with the Great Awakening program. And there are many people that have no clue why we as believers are supposed to be witnesses. Why should we be telling somebody about Jesus? Well, didn't he do something for you? Did he save you? Who here should have been dead? Wave your hand. Did he rescue you? So wouldn't you want to share that? Who, who here had your marriage healed? Wave your hand, all those that had their marriage healed. Wouldn't would you want other people to know about that? Who, who, who had your body healed? Come on, they say they don't believe in miracles. Come on, wave your hand. All those that have experienced the healing of their body. Wouldn't you want to go tell somebody? Who was delivered off of drugs? Who came off a drug? Hey, we got people here that used to, they had meth labs. I mean, God delivers. He sets free. He breaks the chains of bondage. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Who here that if the Lord hadn't rescued you, you would have been, you would have been a mental case. Wave your hand. You'd have been a nut job in a mental institution. I mean, the Lord comes and sets people free. Amen. You, you've got a lot to be thankful for. Hallelujah. So we can't keep that to ourselves. What did Jesus say? Freely you have received, freely give. Come on, every mouth must be used. Every hand, all the hands must be, all the feet. Jesus wants you to use your mouth, your hands, and your feet. Somebody said, well, nobody wants to listen to me. I've got news for you. You're going to reach people I'll never reach. It's not by the effort of one, but by the collective effort of many. If we have a mass mobilization of the whole body of Christ, we can get this thing done within three years. The whole nation will shake. There will be a great awakening. I'm telling you right now. It will be just like what happened in the 1700s. Go study it out, the first great awakening. It'll be ha like what happened in the second great awakening. And I believe God wants to do it one, one more time. One more time. For all those that don't think that America was a Christian nation, the first mega church was in the Capitol building that was started by George Washington and the Marine Band did the praise and worship and Congress used to open every proceeding every day with praise and worship. And if you go to the Capitol and you go into the halls of government, there are scriptures engraved in marble. So if these people did not believe in God, then pray tell, how did those scriptures get up there? Oh, an angel came in the night and wrote it. Harvard, Yale, and Princeton were all evangelical Bible schools that were started by ministers that were raising up missionaries to send to the far-flung corners of the globe. Don't display your ignorance. But I want you to know this thing is not just passed down by osmosis. Somebody said, you know, my great, 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 
great, great, great, great grandfather was in the upper room. That means nothing. That means absolutely nothing. I don't care if your great, 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 great grandfather drove the taxi cab in 1906 at Azusa Street, bringing people to the meeting. It means absolutely nothing. Every generation has to catch it. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So I want to say this. Every pastor needs to be set ablaze for souls. And don't come give me the cop out. Well, we, you know, we just, you know, we have more of a discipleship ministry. Well, first of all, who are you discipling? Are you trying to disciple people that were disgruntled from another church? No wonder, no wonder your place is so cranky. Go, go get new people. Go win new people to Jesus and disciple them. Amen. Amen. Go win people to Jesus that don't know you could have a service longer than, uh, you know, an hour and a half. You know, people are getting what they produce. You know you're in trouble when you come to church and in one hour they're already looking at the watch. You're in trouble. Well, people can't just tolerate too long. Oh, it's amazing how they go to the clubs and the nightclubs and they're out snorting cocaine. They're tolerating that for long. Huh? Some people snort cocaine, now they just snort religion. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. No life, no joy. twice dead and plucked up by the roots. There's certain Christians I wouldn't even send. If we, if we received the call to the ministry, please send somebody. This man's about to commit suicide. I would never send certain believers. I just say, look, you can't go. Because they go right there. The guy would look, take one look at them and go, that's it. I'm ending my life. I thought there was hope. But I know there's no hope now. I heard this amusing story of a psychiatrist who was driving across, across the Brooklyn Bridge. And there was a man standing about to jump. This is in New York. About to jump. He came to a screeching halt, pulled over. Hey, don't do it. I'm a psychiatrist. I can help you. I've been doing this for 25 years. I've helped some of the roughest cases. He said, sir, you don't know my problems. He said, tell me I can handle anything. 20 minutes later, they both jumped. If you don't, if you don't laugh, you'll cry. It's time to begin the harvest. How many know that Jesus is coming very, very soon? I know somebody said the other day we're like three minutes to midnight. I got news for you. We're like a millisecond to midnight. We stand on the brink of a, of a third world war, nuclear war. If certain people get their way, they'll issue a no-fly zone in Syria, and we're going to war with Russia. On this last weekend, they did a test run with B-52 
armed with atomic weapons and went right to the border of Russia and then turned around. That's how wars are started. That's how close we are. And you can sit at home, watch American Idol, go shopping at Walmart and drink your Starbucks, but I promise you right now, if you don't get active, all hell's about to break loose. This is not a game. We in the final hour. And if pastors are not preaching this, you are lying to your congregation. I'm telling you right now. And I'm going to say this on television. You need to grow a pair. I'll say it out on television. Somebody said, what? What? Yeah. You just need to grow a pair and preach boldly. Stop worrying about offending somebody. Your money's going to go out the door. You won't have a church. You won't have any money. You're not going to have a ministry. We've got to have a great awakening. It's not a game. There's an urgency. There's an urgency in this hour. And there's some people that are more upset because that's a grow pair than there are about the millions of people that are dying and going to a lost eternity without Jesus. And that's religion. That's what's killing America. Religion. It's time to get bold. It's time to get on fire for God. It's time to get radical in this hour. Come on, mobilize everybody. From the little child to the oldest saint. Mobilize everyone. If you've been watching, you can go to our YouTube channel or go to our Roku channel, go to revival.com, RTN live stream, because we're about up. I love you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Come on, come on, come on. We're going to mobilize everybody. We're going to mobilize everybody. We're going to tell the world about Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. <laughs> that was a cue to send it back to Pastor Eric, but it's fine if you want to leave it here for another 25 seconds. So go to Bible.com, <laughs> RTN live stream, our Roku channel, RTN, or our YouTube channel, and you can be here tomorrow morning, 10 o'clock, tomorrow night, 7, and Sunday morning, 10, Sunday night, 7. So from our minister's conference here to the Great Awakening, watching across America, we love you. God bless you. To you, Pastor Eric, we love you. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Pastor Ronnie. That was awesome. Of course, you can tune in to Revival.com. You heard everything that... So it's going to be live. And you can join us. We really want you to be a part together with us. Go to greatawakening.com, register now, do it immediately, and then tell all your friends, your family, share, hashtag, likes, whatever. Let's create a whole energy around it on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, because we believe it's going to be epic. Listen, this is the lateness of the hour. We need a last minute reprieve in America, and we need all hands on deck. So we're calling you to join us together next Wednesday night, 26th. 9 p.m. I'm looking to see you.
while we're waiting on that. We've got to be about souls. We've got to keep that at the forefront. There's another section here that I want you to see. It's getting ready to start. They, they had a live broadcast, so they had to switch to that, and then they're coming back to the service. Uh, and Jonathan Shuttlesworth's going to speak some, so just listen to this. City. And so that was the first, praise the Lord. So that was the first one we did in the States this year in Vineland, New Jersey in June. And how many were saved in that one? Uh, 1,918, I think. Right on a, right in a park. I mean, yeah, in a city of 60,000, and we had uh, 4,180 opening night and 908 in one altar call. So, you know, like one out of every 60 some people in the city came to get saved. And the mayor, they actually gave us an award, which I, I hate any kind of pageantry or awards, personally. Oh, but this, this, I, this I, one meant... I was going to give you one here tonight. No, I, I, it, I, I, I can't believe that. I mean... No, but this geez. one this one meant something... Adonica, we just wasted all that money. <laughs> <laughs> uh, especially engraved, awarded. But no, but... Rebuke received. I mean. <laughs> this one meant something to me because... I, I never thought you'd see something like this in the United States. It said, I mean, they presented us the award in city council. And it said, awarded from the city of Vineland, New Jersey, to Reverend Jonathan Shuttlesworth and his team for presenting the gospel of Jesus, being faithful to present the gospel of Jesus Christ to the citizens of Vineland, New Jersey, in both word and deed. They read a scripture. The mayor read a scripture at the thing and thanked God for us, our team, the River Bible Institute students. They, they Yeah. And I'll tell you, praise the Lord, I'll tell you one thing that really helped me with was when you study all this stuff, like you hear Dr. Rodney preach on, I mean, you start getting ticked off at the whole country. You, you just get this feeling like everybody in government's corrupt, everything's corrupt. But I learned with that mayor that God, just like he had with Daniel in Babylon, God has key people in every police, government, whatever. They're all Holy Ghost people properly positioned right now. And when the breath of God hits in full force, they're all going to take their place and the devil's not going to know what hit him. That was great. So then after that, where was that next one? Philadelphia, the city, the neighboring city councilwoman invited us to the most violent, poorest part of Philadelphia, one of the bottom ten in the country. It was, it was like, I, 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 I'm not much for crying because when I was little, I would get spanked for crying. So, Your dad uh, spanked you for crying. Oh, yeah. And then I'd start crying again because I got spanked. Then I'd get, it would just be like an endless cycle of paddling. <laughs> but um, anyway, I hate to cry as a grown man, obviously. I'm telling you, when you would drive into that section, Kensington, Philadelphia, it was like, like I told you in the beginning of the week, that's when I got a hatred for poverty because you can see that it's not, has no, it's not the economic condition of poverty is the branches on the tree, but it is a devil that turns people into animals to survive. And that's when I made up my mind, like, you know, we'll go after it. So we had, we had about 3,000 a night come there, and we had uh, just, I think we, we just 1,900, no, no, just under 1,500, 1,494 
first time decisions for Jesus Christ, including one of the male prostitutes that everybody knew that would stay at this one intersection in Kensington with his shirt off, real, I mean like just standing there as effeminate as could be with a, some kind of like flowered tattoo on his face, like he didn't need the discerning of spirits to know the guy was a male prostitute. He came, I prayed the last night with Ed that did security with us, he's here, and drizzled oil on the field and I asked the Lord the last night, angels can't preach the gospel but as you see with Peter and Cornelius, angels can help people preach the gospel. And so I asked the Lord to send harvester angels that anybody that was in the, in the neighborhood on this last night would be there. This guy walked one mile, never got a flyer, never got an invitation. I saw him walk on the field like he was like being dragged, came and stood right in the front, and the whole time I preached, just stood like this. And then when I gave the altar call, he put his hand up right away, was the first one at the altar. The devil came out of him, and I'm not, you know, I'm not one that says that, but, but I'm telling you, the guy... The devil came out of him, and he went like visibly different. His countenance, the way he walked, everything, when, when that devil came out, the guy started walking different, and then, hallelujah. The, the, hallelujah. Praise God. So that, you know, he, he told us, he's like, man, I feel, I feel different. And I get, you know, he was on, on uh, some kind of drugs, heroin or meth, obviously d doing that work. And he, he said, like, he felt the addiction go, man, the more you start doing these things, you just start having a severe disrespect for the devil because you realize no matter, like the Muslims, Dr. Rodney mentioned, the one woman was addicted to crack and had been a Muslim for 13 years. The other one, a Muslim for 30 years. And they immediately got saved. The other lady delivered from crack addiction immediately, then this male prostitute, you know, you start seeing how easy the devil can have somebody bound for 30 years. And there's nothing the devil's done to somebody that God can't do something about it like in five seconds when the power of God hits them. <coughs> so that was, the, that was the third one. And then we finished the last one, which was in Clarksburg, West Virginia, which has the, the highest... Um, the highest heroin usage per capita in the nation. It's a, a little town, it, like 16,200. The pastor was here all week till today that came. And uh, that was the only one I did where I wasn't invited by the city. I was reading in the newspaper that they had had 24 overdose deaths in one night in a town of 16,000. It was going like that all the time. And when I read the article, I got ready to flip to the sports section. And I felt the Lord specifically tell me in my spirit, go down there and stop it. So that's what we did. We rented the amphitheater. We had, uh, I don't know how many on the first night in a town of 16,000, maybe 1,300. So about 10%, just under. And uh, I stood up and I said, if you don't know who we are, I said, my name is Jonathan Shuttlesworth. I'm a minister of the gospel. And I've come this week to put an end to all heroin addiction in this town in the name of Jesus. So you don't know how it's going to shake out. You don't know whether there's going to be signs and wonders where the heroin dealers all kill each other or how God's going to do it. But... Seriously, I mean, I was, I was ready for anything. I wanted to put a, a stop to it. But what happened was we had the main heroin dealer get saved the first night. And we, we found that out because the police that were there told us when he came to the altar, see that guy that's at the altar? We're getting ready to raid his house on Monday. That guy has warrants out for him in two states, West Virginia and Pennsylvania. He gets saved. Four more dealers got saved. And then, I mean, it was, I don't, when we, listen, it's crazy preaching these crusades where people are like shirtless, 
smoking while you're preaching to them. And like Dr. Rodney said, like you've got three minutes. It, it, it's, it's interesting going to preach at night and know if I don't do a good job, they're going to find me with a stab wound missing my sneakers <laughs> in a ditch. Anyway, so these guys are like shirtless, drinking, and then you get about halfway through the message, they'll put their cigarette out, pour their beer out. So five, five heroin dealers get saved. Then they start bringing all their clients every night. Then a guy was up on, in West Virginia on business from Florida. He was a member of the Blood Street Gang. And so a sergeant had just got out of prison about a year ago. And, you know, when you're on business for the Bloods, it's not like they're starting a multi-level marketing phone card scheme. So he comes up. He has four other guys with him. That guy gets saved. And I mean, like, really saved. I know everybody gets saved, but Pentecostals used to say, man, he really got saved. The guy's telling me, tomorrow I'm going to get all my gang tattoos lasered off my, my body. The next night he comes and he has two guys with him and walks them in a headlock to the altar. Because when the, when the gang leader gets saved, then they have to do whatever he says. So he has them both like this and brings them to the altar. The one guy had, had a, green, a green snake tattooed down his face. It's just so funny to think how now the devil thought he had these people on the way to hell. Now there's some guy with a green snake viper on his face that's going to go up to people and say, Excuse me, has anyone ever told you that God loves you? <laughs> that's a wonderful point. I heard that you gave scholarships to some of them and they come into Bible school yeah. in January. You are going to have a rough incoming class. <laughs> Yeah, yeah it, it was great. And that, that one we had, um, we did two weeks, 12 nights of meetings. And uh, I had my Uncle Ted preach one night. We had a bunch of deaf people healed. The one, I mean, it, it's like what you'd see in, in the 50s, like Africa and India. That's what, you almost have to think of America that way now. Yeah, you that, have to. that now you've had like 80 some percent of the people in the United States have never heard the gospel one time. So you're not trying to like... I think most people don't get that. You hear them preach even at a crusade. They're like, how many of you know you may have gotten away from God? They're not, they didn't get away from God. They don't know anything about anything. And so I preach. In my mind, I just pretend like I'm in the bush in rural India or, or, or you know, Congo in 1960. That's how I feel. It's people, they don't know the gospel. They're bound by the oppression of the devil. And then, just like the power of God would come in T.L. Osborne's meetings or whoever, when you preach to those people, the Bible says, you all know, God watches over his word to confirm it. So when you, when you just load your, your message with scripture and tell the people, Jesus loves you. Jesus is coming soon. Jesus shed his blood for you. You get to a point where you tell them enough times and you just see so, something come on the field where they're all lifting their hands and crying. And it's amazing. The one night we anointed everybody with oil, 1,100 people, all sinners, you know. And, and then as, as we go, up through, up through, I hear like a roar through the crowd. And I know that sound from being a, a little boy in, in miracle meetings. And when I heard it, I said, what's going on? And the, the helpers that are with me said, I don't know. I, think this, I said, no, no, that's not commotion. Something happened. There was a lady there. I mean, you know, like every West Virginia stereotype was at that meeting. We said, like, where can we send the follow-up materials to? They'd say, I live in a tent by the creek. Okay, uh, tent by the creek and care of... So this live-in couple, they lived together in a tent by the creek, like dirt poor, obviously, just live in a tent. They got saved. Then they told us on Wednesday, I didn't, I didn't preach anything about marriage. 
They said, we went to the justice of the peace today and got married because we just didn't feel right being in, the, in that tent together. So just the Holy Ghost did that. Then, then on Friday, that was Friday of the first week, uh, I hear that roar. The, the lady, the wife, had, had uh, cerebral palsy and had had it since birth. I'm telling you, she had the skeleton of like a jellyfish because she would sit in, you know, like no skeletal constitution, just he head like in on her chest, sit sitting like this. And I lit, anointed her with oil, looked like nothing happened. Get two-thirds of the way up and you hear that roar. And she stood up and started to take steps and the place went ballistic, man. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. So I'll tell, you, I'll tell you one more thing from that crusade. The one, the one guy that got saved that was a heroin dealer, he was so high when he came to the altar to get saved. I wondered like if he even understood what he was praying. Like if, if you would watch the video, I have him repeat the sinner's prayer sections of it several times because the guy just looked like it. He, he came to the altar with dark, like blackout sunglasses on. He had a cigarette in his one hand still, shirtless, and this like scruffy beard. So he's praying, he's like mumbling out the words. The three nights later, he comes and tells, I, I've done uh, five grams something of meth ever since, uh, I can't remember, was junior high or early in high school. And he says, I haven't had any desire to do meth. He said, but man, I'm shaking bad going through withdrawals. Can God do something about that? I said, listen, if God, God broke your addiction, that's the hard part. So I, I laid my hands on him and said, in the name of, and my wife was there and my wife's twin sister was there, I'm telling you, this will tell you how weak the devil is. I couldn't even get the zus out of Jesus. I said, in the name of, J and you could feel like the shakes go out of him to the, to the point that it startled me. So I opened my eyes. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. So, so I, I, I opened my eyes to see if he had felt it too or it was just me. My wife and her twin sister both had their hands up crying, and he goes, wow, it's gone. And he said, I haven't felt this peaceful since I was a boy. Because I don't know if you've ever been around like drug addicts, but they're, they're just like fidgety, always need to sick. So now he's like totally at peace. And he stood up and gave me a hug. And what he said to me really like re-motivated me. Not that I, I was lacking, but I should say double motivated me. He said, my grandfather wanted me to tell you something. I, I said, okay. He said, my grandfather's an 81-year-old Pentecostal preacher. He said, when he retired was when I fell into all this stuff, which I'll tell you, never retire. But he said, when, I, when he retired was when I got off track. I used to go to his church. And he said, he had been praying for me to get saved for, I can't remember, he said 15 years, 20 years. And when he found out I got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost, I'm going to Bible college. He said, thank you for being the answer to his prayers, that he got to see this before he died and now he, he's ready to go to heaven. So I say that because you have to remember in whatever you're called to do in the ministry, you think you're just like launching out to do something. There are people praying. There's people that, that, that old pastor that gave me that prophecy, when he built his big church that seats a thousand, when they went to buy it, a guy came from the house across the street and said, are you a Pentecostal pastor? He said, yeah, how'd you know? He just started saying, praise the Lord, lifting his hands. He said, I live in that house across the street. When this was just a field, my mother was a Pentecostal. She would do her devotions on the porch. 
And often when she'd finish her devotions, she'd go to the edge of the porch, point at this field and say, Field, field, hear ye the word of the Lord. For a Pentecostal church will be established on you and many will be saved and sent into the ministry out of this field. So he said, after she died, they built this huge building that's now the church. And he thought, oh, I'm going to get to see my mom's prophecy fulfilled. But it was a bingo hall. But the bingo hall went bankrupt. And he said, when I saw it go bankrupt, now the son's an old man. And so it's for sale. He said, maybe by chance. And I saw you there. And I said, are you a Pentecostal pastor? And he said, I am. And he said, praise the Lord, my mother's word's true. You see, not just what people have prayed. The Bible, you have to keep this in your spirit. This is not the hour for the devil to take over. In the last days, saith God, we, listen, we all know the, 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 the bad Bible prophecies about what's going to go on in the world, that there'll be wars, rumors of wars, famine, everybody knows that. But in the midst of that darkness, arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord will cover the whole earth. This is not our hour to survive. We are anointed to destroy the work of the devil everywhere we go in Jesus' name. So we, we finished that two weeks in West Virginia, and uh, the, the pastor was here. It was amazing. 2,200 and some people saved in a town of 16,000. And I, I don't, it's not, you know, it's West Virginia. It's not like the surrounding towns were big. That was like all the people were from there. It literally shook a town in two weeks. And then he's doing a great job following up on the people. That church had 60 people when he took it there, like it's six or 700 right now and following up on the rest of the people. I'm telling you, let me tell you this. I'm not saying this to be like humble. I'm saying this for, for real. I'm like nothing. You know, I'm, there's no organization backing me. There's nothing like that. If you will immerse yourself in the Holy Ghost and hear the word of God and let that power come behind you and go before you. You can do great, great things for there's God. An old Jewish, there's an old Jewish man backing you. That, yeah, he's a great an guy. An old Jewish, Jewish guy backs you. Yeah. You, you don't have to have like things in the natural, like a big office. Like I have an office and staff now. When all this hit and all this opened up, I had nothing. I had no office, no, no nothing. And every piece fell into place. Don't make little plans. Make big plans. It, no, don't make your own plan. But whatever God's called you to do, it's like with me. When that angel appeared to me, he said, God has reserved you for this last time to be an evangelist. So I know I study what an evangelist is. Then I read what other evangelists did. I know what my job is. But go big. You know, if you feel to go hold a meeting in a city, don't book some room with 50 chairs. Do, do something and organize it and have God give you a plan and you'll never think too big for God. God will always surpass what you think is able to be done and he'll do it quickly and with ease. Now, um, are we going to play a clip, but I want to ask you about another clip, but before we do, who here, as he's talking, you feel a stirring to do these kind of meetings? Stand, stand, stand. I've got to have a hundred people. Listen, because imagine... This is it. This is what. This is the answer to prayer. This is what I saw in the Amen. spirit. I saw you exhorting the people. To, and we can show you how to set everything up. We have all the ins and outs. We know how to do it. It's cost us millions and millions and millions of dollars to learn all these things. We can train you here. We show you how to do these things. Even if you're a pastor, you could do one every two months. You, you could do it in the outlying areas. Right. Because that's what Paul wrote to Timothy. He said, do the work of an evangelist. So... Look at this. 
You know, so now if everybody starts doing crusades, it, you know, can you imagine what's going to happen this next year? The harvest is going to be humongous. So just, just lift your hands right now. Father, even as they've stood tonight and they've heard the call, as you've sparked something on the inside of them, and as Father, as they learn how to do this, and we will do everything here at this ministry to show them exactly how to do it, I pray that I see such a multiplication coming out of this week that, Lord, crusades are going to be held all across America, supernatural favor, finances released to get the job done in the name of Jesus. And, Father, by the next minister's conference, we will hear of 30 to 50 different crusades that have taken place. I just thank you for it. In the name of Jesus. If everybody does one between now and May, look at look, look how many crusades are going to be held. Do you understand? That's what I said earlier. It's not the sole, you know, one individual doing everything. It's the collective. We, that's what we do. We are mobilizing people. That's why Jonathan is an answer to prayer. Amen. Hallelujah. And let me tell you, this is not going to take away from somebody said, yeah, but if you push this, it'll take away from your ministry. Absolutely not. There's enough to go around. There's people that are going to support you that will never support me. There's not going to be any lack of finances. Can you say amen? Because I made a vow of 100 million souls. I want to get that 100 million souls. And we'll help. We'll help in any way that we can. Can you say amen? So, Pastor Eric, can you have them sign up? Can we, can we put a clipboard out the back? So on your, who's, who will sign up tonight? And then we'll give, we need your name, your phone number, your email, and then we'll send you information and help you. Amen. If you have any questions, you can call the ministry, say, I need help. Tell me what to do here. And, uh, you know, people have gone in and taken a basketball court right in the inner city, a basketball court, and done a big cookout and draw 500 people. Come on, you, you can do this. It's, it's, it's like eating chocolate chip cookies. It's the easiest thing out. Somebody said, but nobody knows you. The way we've done it, nobody needs to know you. And in the inner city where we go, nobody cares who you are. That's right. If you don't show up with power, it didn't matter if you were the right honorable doctor, PhD, what, what, what. they don't care. They can hear it in your voice. If you get up there with nothing, they'll hear it. If you get up there with the anointing of God, it'll lock the whole place down. And the gospel will be preached, the harvest will come in, and souls will be saved. Man, I'm so excited. This is what I prayed for. This is what I prayed for. This is what I believe in God for. So I, <laughs> I can't imagine. I can't imagine what's going to happen. Just what well, we got November, December, January, February, March, April, May. Just in the next, between now and the May conference. I'm going to have him pause it for just a second. You know, that's okay, because during that time when he had people stand, I did what, exactly what you did just then. I was bawling, bawling. And if you actually watch Jonathan, he looks over at me, and he starts, he actually starts tearing up because of the same thing. He sees me crying like that because my heart broke. It was that moment where that kind of... Uh, where I had shielded myself from the heart of God after souls, it, that crust broke off, and I felt that moment again, the way God had shown that to me in the beginning. And at that moment, I knew that a part of, because what I was praying for that week when I was there, 
was I was sitting right over to the left. Um, well, I knew I was praying for vision, and I knew God was showing me vision for boomerang. And after that, I started praying, Lord, show me a 20-year vision, 10-year vision, 5-year vision. And this is what he said. It's for this place. He said, think big, dream big, make big plans. He said, 20 years, I want boomerang to win 20 million souls. Now, that is an amazing number, it seemed like to me, but it is not. Uh, out of the realm of being done by God. But it will take a plan and it will take diligence. And what we immediately did is came back and we had, remember the first thing, this was in October. What do we have in November? We had the Thanksgiving meal. We already in that moment, we won. There was probably 40 people that were won to the Lord that day, right? That was just a few weeks after this. We have an event coming up in April 8th where we're starting to do what Jonathan's talking about going and doing these festivals of light, uh, festivals of life. That's actually what we're going to start doing is things like that. We already have that. Chris is overseeing that. If you stood up because you heard the heart of God, then you need to be a part of that. You need to commit yourself and be a part. And what we're going to do is Jonathan talked some more here. It's very important what he says because there's, there's something to be caught here. There's something to be caught. And there's things that can happen in us when we give ourselves to the Lord and don't just, okay, let's wrap up a service and go home. There's things that can happen in our heart and in our mind that change us. But one of the things that we do is we finish up tonight, listen to him and then finish up. We're going to take an offering. Everything that comes in tonight in that offering is going to go to that outreach on April the 8th. Is it 8th? Is that right? April the 8th. Anything that is given, that's given online, that, that you watch this message, make sure you mark it as the outreach, April out, outreach. Put in there a note or something. But everything tonight is going to go to that outreach to win these souls. We, we're going to give away prizes. If you pass by and there's a TV on, you know, a new flat screen TV and it's on sale for a great price and you can grab it and bring it, that's the kind of stuff we're going to give away. And we're going to draw people in like that and we're going to win these souls and lives are going to be changed like they're talking about. And they're already being changed right now. Amen? Amen. Amen. So he's going to be talking about when you go and you give yourself to it. We're doing that right now. So when he tells you what difference that makes in your life, you receive it as yours now. Amen? Amen. Amen. Go ahead and play that. It's going to be huge. Amen. Praise God. Now, I'm not sure if you have the clip of this, but I thought this was very profound when you went to that university. You have it. Can we play it? It's on my YouTube channel. It's on the YouTube channel. Jonathan Shuttlesworth, Penn State. Can you pull it up on his YouTube channel? Jonathan Shuttlesworth, Penn State. This was the most amazing thing because he went to a place, total heathen. On the campus. On the campus of the university. And I just want you to watch what happened. Because they started to, they were mocking you. Oh, yeah. It was bad. Okay. But watch what happened. It's the most amazing thing. You, you know, before they play it, when I prayed, because you could, it was a thousand. It was actually one of the guys that came last night from Congo. His son was a student there. And since he's African, instead of doing like an outreach to 20 kids with pizza and, uh, and Pepsi, 
he, he just thought, like, we'll do a crusade on Penn State's campus. So he raised $26,000 himself as a 21-year-old senior. And then, uh, you know, what a great, he prayed. It was his last year. Lord, don't let me leave this university the way I found it. And so God gave him a plan. Incoming freshman weekend, everybody wants to party, but they're all from out of town and they don't know where to go to party. So they announced that they're going to have a party on the intramural field. Then they had electronic dance music DJs play. And then after the two DJs went, there was a thousand kids on the field and they had me get up and preach. Well, like, you know, they, they, weren't, they weren't looking for that. What? While the, while the DJs played, I went in the woods and prayed. And I said, you know, I'd never pre preached in any kind of setting like this. I said, Father, when you, when you called me into the ministry, you knew this day would come. And I, and I felt my spirit to preach here. So I know you didn't call me here to just fail. So I ask you, give me a plan on, on how to reach them. And I felt the Lord speak to me as clear as day. For the first seven minutes, they're going to be rowdy, speak over top of you. Don't address them. Don't say, guys, if you could hold it down, guys, show some respect. If you do, it'll turn them all against you. Just speak in love. And then I remember Billy Graham said that thing that he learned the more scripture he quoted, uh, the more powerful the results were. And so he made a point never to quote less than 70 scriptures in his messages. So I felt the Lord bring that back to my spirit and say, just load it with the word, the Bi like Billy Graham would do. The Bible says God so loved the world. The Bible says that God's willing that none should perish. And keep saying that. And after about seven minutes, they'll lose their energy. And an interesting thing the Lord put in my spirit was, remember this. They look like cool 18-year-olds. But remember that 10 years ago, they were eight. So there's about 10 years of callous built over their heart. But the anointing will penetrate it and turn them back into a bunch of little kids at a VBS. You know, like that. And I, I'm telling you, without throwing bricks or getting violent, it's the most hostile crowd I could have ever preached to, which actually prepared the way for me to not be afraid to speak in the inner cities or anything, because you, you couldn't have been more mocking and everything like they were. Seven minutes, just like the Lord spoke, they got quiet, and then at the, the end, you'll see what happens. Pretty Come amazing. On. We got it ready. You got to watch this. You got to watch this. This is cut down to about six minutes. to me he's gonna give you guys speak to you guys a little bit a quick message right quick put your hands together for Jonathan Shuttlesworth thank you so much I think that's the happiest anybody's ever been to see me so thank you, thank you. I appreciate you sticking around up until now this is gonna be the best part of your night and if you listen it's going to be something that will impact your life for the rest of your life. Amen. How many of you are freshmen just starting out right now? What an awesome time to allow God to do something in your life tonight that will make sure that everything works out the way God wants it to. 
And I want to see that happen. You know, this is a little bit of a different party. Penn State. Most places that you go, most places that you go to party, you wake up in the morning and wonder what you did. The only difference on this one is we want you to lay your head to the pillow at night tonight and know that you have peace with God and that your sins are forgiven. This isn't about religious fanaticism. Jesus didn't die for religious fanatics. John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have everlasting life. Jesus said in Matthew 7, broad is the way that leads to destruction but straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to everlasting life. We know the easy thing to do is stay with the crowd or mock or say that's a bunch of foolishness. But it takes courage and conviction to not bank your life and bank your eternal soul against the word of God that's always proved true. But to say, I'm going to make up my mind. You can't speak for the whole group. You can only speak for you. You can make up your mind tonight and say, as for me in my life, I'm not going to go to hell. I'm going to make Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior. If you say, Jonathan, that's me. I don't know that I'm saved or I know that I'm not saved. But tonight I want to give my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. If that's you, I want you to put your hand up high and wave it at me right now. And we're going to pray. God bless you. Keep it up in the air. God bless you. Look all over this place. Wonderful. Praise the Lord God. Hallelujah. Go ahead and clap. Wait, wait. They lift their hands. You made my night. I start preaching in Ohio in the morning, so I have to leave right after this. But this, I'm going to drive back with a big smile on my face because I know God's going to do a great work right now. This is what I want, only because this isn't my way of doing things. This is God's way of doing things. He said, if you confess me before men. So August 30th, 2014, for the rest of your life will be the day where when you lay your head to the pillow, you can say, I know I'm saved. Because on the intramural field, I came out of the crowd and like Jesus said, I confessed him publicly. I want every person that lifted a hand that meant business with God. I want you to come around this barrier and meet me right in front of the speakers and we're going to pray together. Watch the girl in the pink push her boyfriend. I'm not going to do anything strange, but I want you to come out of the crowd and join me right here in Jesus' name. Go ahead, clap for them as they come. Keep clapping. The hands that clap for souls will never be empty. Come right around the barrier and meet me right here. Welcome. Stand right here. We're going to pray. Keep coming. God bless every one of you. I'm so proud of you. I'm so happy for you. This is not a game. This is real. This is not some religious thing. This is when God reaches down from heaven and changes your heart. I only do this not so this turns into some religious recital. Some people have never prayed. So I'm going to give you the words to say. And I want you to say them from the bottom of your heart. Come on, say it out loud. Dear Heavenly Father, I've come forward tonight to show you that I'm, I mean business with you. I'm sorry for my sins. Please forgive me. Have mercy on me. I need your help. I'm not like everybody else. So I don't want to live like everybody else. I want to live for you. I want to fulfill the destiny you have for me. In Jesus' name.
Now say this, I believe in my heart. You raised Jesus from the dead. I confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord and my Savior. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Make me like you. Give me a new heart. Cleanse my mind. Make me new. In Jesus' name, I am saved. I am a Christian. God is my Father. Heaven is my home. And I'll live forever. And I will not turn back. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. One more time, give a great hand clap to Jesus Christ, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I love you. God bless every one of you. You know, hey, can I tell you one thing? When I came off the when I came off the stage, there was a guy in a trucker hat and tank top that was like clearly there, ready to party. That had just got saved. He had tears streaming out of his face with his hands up, like angrily yelling. How come no one ever told me about any of this before? How come no one told? But like dead serious because they realize they're going to go to hell. And it's like, how the heck did I live for 19 years and nobody ever told me any of this stuff? And I'll tell you. Now, the reason I said what I said earlier on television, because we could take religion there, they would have booed them off the stage. But had it not been for the Holy Ghost. I love that. That's like exhibit A. You know. It's phenomenal. Now you, you would think it was two different crowds. Because like, no, you're really you. yelling over me, then dead quiet, then at the end they're shouting, I am saved. I, you know, you'd think they like swapped them out. And I paid for that TV crew, and I'll tell you, five minutes in I thought, I just paid about $3,000 to film the greatest failure of my ministry in <laughs> sterling high definition. <laughs> All right, now we have one more clip, and then you can you know, minister. Um, this, this is like an overview of the Crusades, the next one. The clip we were going to play. I don't know which one they pulled. I was going to have, have them do one of the ones from, from West Virginia with the, with the uh, drug dealers, unless you already have one ready. Any of them are good. Do you have the one with the drug dealers? Isn't this awesome? Come on. Isn't this awesome? So, I mean, he's been in the ministry. Most of his ministry has been in churches. And now the Lord's opened up a whole new realm. And I'm, I'm telling you, God's going to, everyone that stood here today to say, I'm going to step out, God's going to open up a whole new realm for you. I can tell you right now. I can tell you right now. If, if you step out between now and May and God doesn't open up for you, you come tell me and I'll resign the ministry. And I'm, I'm going to tell you all the stuff people tell you about, about challenges. You know, it's like when we did the first meeting in Philadelphia, it's an all black area. So even the pastors was like, you might want to think about getting a black preacher to, to preach, but God doesn't care about that because actually when they see you as a little skinny, like, you know, obviously no way in the flesh to relate to any of the people. It's not like I can stand up and go, like, listen, I can relate with, with what you're going through. They, they'd, beat, <laughs> they'd beat me up. But w when people see something that in the natural, I have no way to relate to them. So anybody with a carnal mind can't sit there and work it out. So then God gets all the glory when people can tell there's no way this should work, but it works well. Then the other thing I want to tell you is, is, is they'll say like, well, you know, they, they could get violent. I had people say, what will you do if somebody shoots at you? You know, th this is a very violent area. We had the opposite problem We're with them saying, you know, they don't even listen to, to their black leaders in the city. What makes you think they're going to listen to you? The biggest problem we had 
was the last night we had to pause for about three minutes to get everybody quieted down from shouting, we love you. We love you! We love you! Then a big lineup after every service, just like at Penn State. Can I give you a hug? Can I give you a hug? I mean, guys, can I give you a hug? Like big gangsters with teardrop tattoos. Can I give you, listen, listen, normally I don't hug people, but I want to know, would you be okay if I, I... The anointing breaks every barrier and destroys every yoke. Because I'm telling you, for, for all the people that lifted their hands and said they're going to do that, people will line up to tell you why it's not going to work. People don't listen. Let me tell you, the one in Philadelphia and all the ones this summer, it was like 93 degrees, 98 degrees, one night 101. It was in the middle of the Philadelphia heat wave. I preached for an hour and 15 minutes with no chairs and nobody moved because people are broken. By, by the third night, people were carrying their couches out of the projects and putting them on the field like at three in the afternoon, four in the afternoon to get good seats. People never moved. And I, I'll tell you this, people, ha, people have developed this mindset because of like almost all church growth conferences. They've just accepted these things as true that aren't true. You know, people have very short attention spans. People, people aren't going to listen to a, a, a minister or somebody speak for more than 30 minutes. If a parking lot's more than 70% full, people aren't going to come there week after week. Then how do you explain the NFL? Because the NFL doesn't have like people from other planets coming to attend the games. Those are the same Americans that they tell you won't sit still for an hour and a half. Well, they sit in the rain at a football game for four, the opening game last year with the Patriots was four and a half hours long in the rain. Every seat full. People pay $80 to park two miles away and walk in 20 degree weather singing to the stadium. So you see that what they've done is they've developed this total bullcrap thing about how church has to work because they've, they've geared it to people that aren't on, in love and on fire for God. You see with the NFL that if people love something, they'll walk any distance, they'll stay any length of time. And so the, you, you don't, listen, you don't cater your ministry to people that have a lukewarm love for God. Find people that are broken. That's what Jesus said. Go out to the highways and hedges. Find the crippled. Find the blind. Find the male prostitutes. Find the drug addicts and tell them, Jesus loves you. There's a better way. You don't have to live like this. There's a God that sent his son so you can be free. And I, I'm telling you, when you get them infected with that love for God, They'll, they'll do anything. <laughs> this guy covered in neck tattoos, and he was huge. He came up to me and said, I want to tell you, if you have any problems while you're in town, just let me know. And you, you, you like knew it. It was like, thank you. I actually thought of like wondering if he'd travel, like giving him like five names. But, but I'm telling you, all of the problems they tell you that you'll have, you won't have them. You'll just have, God doesn't call you to fail. Don't, don't listen to people, like, they make it like the prophet Jeremiah is the only person in the Bible. Jeremiah ministered all those years, never saw one convert. Well, I'm not Jeremiah. And we're, we're, when you look from the book of Acts on, people went out and had major, don't listen to Western church growth principles and all that stuff. You know, 
After all Jesus ministered, there was only 120 left. Yeah, for 10 days. Then they had 3,000. Then it went to 5,000. Everywhere they went, there was rapid multiplication. And that same spirit that they carried is in us. We don't have a lesser Holy Ghost. The same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in us. You know, I'll, I'll, tell, you a, I'll tell you a powerful scripture that will help you is 1 Samuel 5. When, they, when the Philistines stole the Ark of the Covenant and laid it by Baal, and they came in the next morning, and Baal was knocked over. And then they picked it back up. The next morning, Baal had fallen over, and its head and hands was, was off. That was just from it sitting there. The ark wasn't cursing Baal. Just the power that was in that ark was greater than the greatest pagan power that was in that land. Then they weren't stupid enough to move the ark, or they weren't smart enough to move the ark. They kept it there. So everybody starts filling with cancer. So they move it. Then all the other enemies start filling with cancer. Just the power that was in that ark sitting there, was, it wasn't surviving. It was destroying everything of the enemy that was aligned against the children of God. That power that was in that ark, the Bible says it was never the plan of God to be in a vessel made by human hands. Know ye not, you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. You are not your own. You are bought with a price. The same power that was in that ark is in me and in you. So you don't have to go to war with the devil. Wherever you stand, the light that's in you is greater than all the darkness that's in this world. For light drives out darkness. Darkness never drives out light. And that light is alive and shining bright on the inside of you in Jesus' mighty name. And I say, I have light. It's something that get you kicked out of a religious church quick. That Jesus said, while I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. But after I leave, ye are the light of the world. A city set on a hill that can't be hid. Man, that has to be in you. You can't go into, well, what if it doesn't work? It has to work. Because when I stand up, I don't care what principality was there before. Now I'm here. And the light, darkness can't shut out light. The Bible tells you what kind of light you have in John 1. A kind of light that came into the world and darkness comprehendeth it not. Meaning the devil doesn't know how to deal with the light that's on the inside of you. So whatever happened in that city before you came, when you stand there, you are now the principality set by God to put everything in order. You can't fail. You can only succeed because greater is he that lives in you than all them that are in the world. If you believe that, Go ahead, let God hear that he's got an army of radical soldiers in the United States of America. Come on, take 30 good seconds, clap your hands, shout unto God, for the Lord hath given you the victory. can be seated but before they play the video let me just tell you one more thing it's very important listen it's very important in your mind who you gear your messages to a sign of wisdom 
is not making simple things complex. The sign of wisdom is making complex things simple. The average American reads at a fourth grade level. If you get up to preach to lost people and read out of, you know, Daniel and say, the, the children of God were just ending 70 years of Medo-Persian captivity, it's over. You have to talk to regular people. That's what Billy Graham did. Billy Graham said when he prepared his sermons, in his mind, he was preparing it for a seven-year-old boy to tell him the simple, and he said this, and I never forgot it. If you make the gospel profound, the results will be simple. That's what the conference circuits are like. Who can make it the most profound? And if you break this word down in the original language, you're, you, you can't, you're not going to reach people that are unsaved like that. But he said if you make the gospel simple, the results are profound. You can't ever let it get old to you. Telling people the simple story of what Jesus did. And like I was saying with Dr. Rodney earlier, I think most people, the, it renders their ministries ineffective because in their mind, they think everybody knows the gospel. They think everybody knows about faith. They think everybody knows Jesus took 39 stripes. There's people, if you minister in a full gospel church this Sunday, I guarantee you 85% of the crowd has no idea about healing in the atonement, no idea about anything. So don't preach like it's old hat. Dr. T.L. Osborne said the gospel is good news and must be preached like it's breaking news. If it's not exciting to you, then it's not going to excite them. That's why the devil tries to get you lukewarm. So you lose the urgency and passion for the gospel. You have to let the fire of God stoke hot in you. Where the Bible, you love it more every day. Where the reality of Jesus coming to earth and breaking the hold of sin. I'm going to tell you, I, I pray it never leaves me. Like when I watch those people come to the altar, I don't think like, wow, man, what a mess. I think if my father wasn't a Holy Ghost preacher and my mother a Holy Ghost woman and my grandfather and grandmother, I would be just like him, missing teeth, out of my mind on drugs. So the only thing that kept me from that was what Jesus did when somebody took the gospel out in the middle of nowhere in West Virginia and won my grandfather to the Lord. And when Amy Simple McPherson's co-worker went up and led my great-grandma to the Lord, nobody was saved on either side of the family. Somebody passing out tracts in a mall. My mother gets saved. Polish Catholic. Nobody saved in the family. Her dad just died. Some youth groups passing out mimeographed tracts in a mall. My mom takes one and says, thank you. Goes home, goes to bed that night, takes out the stuff from her pockets. Oh, yeah. Reads it. Gets down on her knees and gives her life to Jesus Christ. Looks for a church in the phone book. And because it's in alphabetical order, Assemblies of God was first. Goes to an Assemblies of God church. Gets the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Meets my father. Everybody, the whole story of our family is from people caring enough to reach them with the gospel. And now I don't have to go through all the problems everybody goes through. My daughter is going to have an easy life. But it's because somebody reached them. Make up your mind. Don't wait for people to come to church. Jesus said, go into the highways and byways and compel, compel. You must come in. My, pa my pastor left this morning, but he'll tell you. I'm almost to two rows in our church of people that I brought, and I'm only home about three or four weeks a year. My barber was a reprobate heathen in downtown Pittsburgh. 17 years in prison, and look, I'm a rough guy. I led him to the Lord. I made up my mind when I sat there, the way I was raised, to sit in that barber shop and hear the way people talked. 
Yeah, the way I was raised, well, I'm not staying here and listening to this. I'm out of here. I'll be praying for you. <laughs> but I just told you how I feel about late driving out darkness. I thought, you know what? Number one, if I leave, nobody's coming in to lead him to the Lord. He'll go to hell. Everybody in here will go to hell. So rather than that drive me out, why not me drive that out? And with a weird plan that the Lord gave me, I mean, people are so lost. I said to him, it was Christmas time. I said, where are you going to church for Christmas? He said, I don't go to church. Like I, like I didn't know. I said, oh, come on. It's America. Come to church with me. He said, well, I work every day. The only way I could come to church is if they have it on Sunday morning. I said, I'll, I'll talk to the pastor and see if we can work something out. Maybe have like a special service just for us. He, he wasn't kidding around. He didn't even know when church was. Brought him the first week, he didn't get saved. Brought him the second week. And he, I led him to the Lord on the drive back home. And he told me, I'm telling you, when I felt my spirit to invite him to church, I, he was so rough. I thought the Lord was just like testing me. Looked like to invite him to church, obviously he's going to say no, but at least I was faithful kind of thing. When he said, all right, I'll come, I, I was shocked. Then he gives his life to Jesus. And what he said to me, I never forgot. He's in his 40s. He said, do you want to know why I went to church with you? I said, yeah, actually, I would. He said, the night before you and your brother-in-law came into my shop and invited me to church, I had just told my live-in girlfriend, I know we made the right move cutting off our old friends because if we kept hanging out with them, I'd end up back in jail. But now I don't have any friends and I'm so lonely. I wish somehow new people would come into our life that I, that I know were good people. He said, the next day was when you and your brother-in-law came in, and when you said, do you want to come to church with me? I, I thought, there must have been somebody that heard what I said. And so you think, see, you think you're just doing things out of the blue, but you're going to find out that there have been people that have already gone ahead and laid the way in prayer, and you're actually on the wings of what God said in Bible prophecy back from all the word of God and all the power of heaven. He got baptized. Last time I was there, he had two guests with him for the building offering. He gave $1,000. He'd been in church three months. Gave what most people never give. I'm telling you, get fresh people safe. Why, why call places and send letters out trying to get in some place with 60 disgruntled people when you can, you can go and just get your own people? and get them saved and get them in love with Jesus and filled with the Holy Ghost and then the ministry becomes really fun you get crazy stories strange people everything's interesting you never know what's gonna happen I tell you from the depth of my heart God is gonna use you mightily you are not gonna be bored in the ministry there is something coming alive on the inside of you tonight where you're going to run this final leg of your race and receive the prize and be well rewarded when you stand before Jesus Christ. Do you believe that? Clap your hands one more time and give God the mightiest shout that you've ever given. Video good? All right. Enjoy this one from this summer.
I have come to this county on a mission. The devil doesn't have any right to anybody in this amphitheater, anybody in Clarksburg. I am an addict. Oh, heroin addiction, shooting up. I just got out of the hospital not too long ago because I tried to overdose. Uh, honestly, I had a really bad drug addiction. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Without anybody touching me, I just felt something leave. When you live under the curse of sin, Satan has access to you. When you leave the kingdom of darkness, and come into the kingdom of light. Satan may have been able to oppress you before, but now he can't touch you because you don't belong to his kingdom. I don't even want it. I'm completely done with it. I'm done. All the anger, all the depression, all the suicidalness just flow out. I just felt God telling me that I'm safe and I'll be all right now, that I'll take the demons away from me. I won't have that demon on my back no more. So this is a week where we declare as children of the Most High God, enough is enough. We declare our families set free from all the power of the devil. No more deaths, no more overdoses, no more tragedies. This is time for miracles. Go ahead, give Jesus one more mighty hand clap for that. And I couldn't couldn't say a big enough thank you to this ministry and River Bible Institute. They sent students up every uh, crusade that we've done that flyered every door, lived there for two weeks before the crusade and the week of the crusade. And um, I couldn't be any more thankful. This is a wonderful church. I would encourage you strongly to get to both. I clear out every May and every October, no question, because you have to stay. Get it? You don't make the mistake of being a minister that comes to ministers conference when you're at rock bottom. Get a touch. Wait to go to rock bottom again and come back. There's people like that all the time. You see them every three years. Everything's going well. They were going good. Don't stop pursuing the Holy. Don't wait till you're in crisis. Stay hotly pursuing God, and it'll keep you out of crisis in Jesus' name. So I'll tell you, the last crisis you ever had will be the last one you ever have in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We're going to receive the offering, just five. And I also would like to say thank you to this ministry. My daughter received the baptism of the Holy Ghost earlier in the week. I heard they played the video this morning. And I'm very thankful that there's still a place you can go in this country where allow the Spirit of God to move. I could, go, I could go to some meetings for all my life. My daughter would never get the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I'm glad that Dr. Rodney, in all these years, and with all the criticism him and Adonica, Dr. Adonica have taken, they've never sold out the move of God. And I'm, now my, now my daughter. That's her at three and a half. I was six when that happened to me, man, and I still haven't recovered 30 years later. Praise God. 
Hallelujah. What a mighty God we serve. Angels bow before him. Heaven and earth adore him. What a mighty God we serve. Hallelujah. Praise God. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 13. He goes on to take up the offering and then Brother Rodney comes back and preaches. You can see there's still uh, another two hours left in that meeting. But you, however, have just been in your, you know, some of you, the first three and a half hour, three hours and 45 minute service. So congratulations to you. you did you even know you could do that? <laughs> did you know? Huh? What was that? In Bulgaria, yeah, amen. So, you know, these these festival of lives that Jonathan has done um, and then Dr. Rodney has done, and they, they spent a lot of time and money learning how best to win people to the Lord. That's exactly what we're doing and heading into, and we're not trying to recreate the wheel. We're taking what they've learned, and we're going to apply it. And so tonight, as we wrap up, and you give an offering and drop it in the box. Uh, it's all going to go to that event in April. But we're going to see souls. I believe that, um, I'll just tell you, Chris, I think we need to seek the Lord and ask him, how many souls do you want us to believe for? What's the number? What's the number? You know, And uh, hear that word, because Chris is overseeing that. Hear that number, and then let's agree for that number of souls to be one at that I, I don't think it'd be hard to see 500, 1,000 people born again at that if we do it properly and we believe God. And then we've already got something planned for in the fall, big, big stuff. So, And this will be something that's ongoing and we will be inspiring other people. But we're going to be a church that is of love and prayer, living in abundance, winning souls and making disciples for Jesus. Amen. It's who we are. Yes. Did you feel the burn of the Father's heart in you tonight for those souls? That's what we got to be about. We can't, you know, you want to move in the Holy Spirit. One of the best ways to move in the Holy Spirit is move in what's important to God. And what's important to God is winning souls. I can tell you from personal experience, His heart breaks for every soul that falls off into eternity apart from Him. His heart breaks over that stuff, and you and I can do something about it. We can't take money up there. We can't take houses to heaven, but we can take souls. We can take friends and family that we won to Christ. We can, we can take uh, co-workers. We can take people that we met on the streets, and we can take them to heaven with us to introduce them to our Savior firsthand and be there when they get to meet Him like we do too and celebrate. So let's be about the Father's business and let's win souls. Amen? Amen. Father, I just thank you so much for today. Thank you, Lord, for touching people. Lord, you poured out some ministry on people. Father, we just receive, in Jesus' name, we receive their offerings, whether they're given here or they're given online. Uh, Lord, as they go, just they can go to boomerangchurch.org slash give, and there's a button there, and they can give, Lord. They can give into this. 
Mark it as the April outreach. Father, whether they're given there or they're given here, Lord, we receive that on your behalf to win souls for you, to advance the kingdom of God. And Father, we praise you for it. We thank you for it. And Lord, in your authority, by your name, in the name of Jesus, let everything that they give, everything that they sow, be pressed down, shaken together, and run it over in abundance as they move in your system and in your plans and in your heart. Father, we praise you for it. We thank you for it, Father. And we just give you the glory in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for a great service. Thank you for healings. Thank you for touching our hearts. Thank you, Father, for moving in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you.